We're going to be spending some time in a series called uh, A Christmas Playlist, um, using the content and some of the structure from a book that Alistair Begg wrote, strangely enough, called Christmas Playlist, and you can get it at Kurong and all good Christian bookshops. And so that's going to be our, our, our thing for Advent, this, this series called Christmas Playlist. So uh, let's get into that. We'll get at that and uh, we'll pray and we'll have a look at this song. It's actually a song um, that Prudence read to us this morning. Well, I mean, God, once again, we want to bring ourselves before you so thankful that we gather like this that we can uh, make much of you that we can sing to you that our hearts can take the truths that you have revealed about yourself to us and how they intersect with our lives and then we can and give worship and song to that and we're grateful for it we pray this morning that as we look at your word that, that you have also given to us in this gospel of luke and this song that you inspired in your servant mary uh, that we would learn more of who you are that our hearts would be warmed with affection for you and that would and that would um, uh, characterize the way we live and how we understand you and we just pray these things in Jesus name amen well we we haven't I think I, I read through all of the reports that are going that are going to be presented later on and, and they all said it hasn't been a normal year uh, it's been an unusual year and, and we still live in somewhat of an unusual unusual environment but there's one thing that never changes about any year and that is the telltale signs that that we're heading into the festive season that we're that we're heading into Christmas that we're heading into this advent season as as we would call it and one of the things that begins to pop up that that lets us know that that Christmas is on the way is, is, is Christmas trees and these ones just magically sprung up here this morning um, it's normally Cole's uh, that gets off the mark first uh, with with their you know indicators that Christmas is coming. Coles and Woolworths and they start to stock Christmas decorations in their stores sort of around September October. Uh, it's not quite as bad as when they stock uh, hot cross buns on Boxing Day, but. Um, that's what they do. But they were kind of caught out this year a little bit as people really started to put their Christmas trees up a lot earlier. And it was kind of like trying to shake off, I think, uh, some of the languishing uh, effects of the pandemic and, and just wanting to, to get into Christmas. It's one of those hot uh, one of those hot button issues, though, isn't it? Christmas trees. When is when is too early? like we need another one of those going around? When is it too early or too late to put up our Christmas trees? That kind of thing. But since our girls have left home, our Christmas tree it spends a lot more time in the box. Uh, it's still there. It would normally have been up for two months if Amy had been home. Um, but there it is. Another sign that Christmas is on the way is that our Netflix and, and our, um, our streaming platforms have all upgraded the content uh, to align with the season, which is great because we get to watch those great Christmas classics like Iron Man 3 and Die Hard and The Grinch, just uh, what I would call must-watch Christmas movies. Then we have the appearance of, of nativities. Are you kind of questioning that Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie? Is that what's going on over there? You need The Grinch. Okay, that's okay. Another... See what happens when I go away for a week? Lose my mind. Then we have the appearance of nativity scenes, which always kind of do my head in a little bit. They're always so strangely calm and peaceful Mary and Joseph who have some very well trained sheep and cows a donkey and maybe a rogue camel 
They're all just watching mum and dad as they're putting little baby Jesus to sleep in the hay. He's not complaining, you know, no crying he makes as the song Away in a Manger goes. I don't know who wrote Away in a Manger. They, they attributed it to Martin Luther for a little bit, but that wasn't true. But whoever wrote it had not been in the same birthing suites that I had been in. Messy. Just crazy. Sandy did not look like she'd just come from a day at the spa, you know, nice blue dress and all that kind of thing. It wasn't peaceful, even without the animals and the presence of actual beds and, and good drugs. Away in a Manger is actually a song that, that takes us further away from the real Christmas story, actually. There is another indicator that Christmas is around the corner, and it's a little more subtle, and it happens without us knowing, but it happens. But as you're trying to work out whether you'll buy a home brand uh, Christmas pudding or maybe a Maggie Beer Christmas pudding, you notice that you're singing along to Silent Night or Hark the Herald Angels Sing or maybe All I Want for Christmas from Mariah Carey, hopefully not Away in a Manger. And you think, why? Why am I singing that song? And then you realize it's the in-store music that's playing. And just like that, the message of Christmas whether it's a religious one, a sentimental one, a cheesy one from Mariah Carey, is the background playlist to this season. Just washing over us as we go about our business, washing over us as we prepare for feasts, as we prepare for fights. Playing in the background is the message that this season began with a God who entered into our feasts and into our fights and came to sit at our tables and heal our wounds by ultimately becoming wounded himself, even killed for us. But that's an Easter message, not this morning's. Someone needs to go in there and talk to those crazy youth people. The songs wash over, no, better to have them doing that, wash over us as we shop. We don't even notice them. Nativity scenes kind of comfort us, and we think, ah, Christmas, you know, how sentimental, how pleasant, how accommodating is Christmas. And Alistair Begg remarks in the, in the book that this series is based on, in the opening of that book, that there is nothing here in these things to deal with. That, that There's nothing here that makes us think, that sets us back on our heels. There's nothing here that says to our souls, listen, take note, make room. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, reflects on it. He says, Christmas has not only become commercialized it's been sentimentalized gone is the real awe and wonder uh, the answers to the need for rescue from darkness and violence and abuse of power from homelessness from refugees of fleeing oppression from families ripped apart from bottomless grief from pandemics maybe we have all the same issues that surrounded the first Christmas, just not the songs to sing anymore that shock us with awe, that comfort our souls with hope, that tell us that things, though they are really dark, still have hope. In the lead up to Christmas, we're going to be looking at four songs that, that, that burst out of people who witnessed and took part in the nativity, uh, in that first Christmas, the birth of a baby whose arrival, whose identity, uh, whose activities lie at the heart of the real Christmas and give us hope and peace. These, are, these songs were first sung uh, in the midst of darkness as the singers realized that God had broken in 
broken into our lives, broken in to bring his salvation. And these songs are all recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke. So in a way, they're kind of like Luke's uh, Christmas playlist. And we're pretty familiar with Luke's Gospel here at Freeway. We know that Luke wrote his gospel during the living uh, memory of the people within it. So you could go and you can fact check what Luke wrote. He wrote a careful and accurate history of all that was accomplished and all that was done and all that was seen in Jesus. And the first of those things being his incarnation, his birth, his, his nativity. And Luke does not give us this playlist of songs just to wash over us. He doesn't take us into the animal shelter Uh, as a birthing suite to comfort us but he does this to reveal to us what God is like how God has responded to human need and, and the curse of sin that sees abuse and all these things in human reality God we see here is mindful personally humble and miraculous and he does that to challenge us with these things And to change us as we ponder them, as we think about them, as they enter our souls to sing, if you like. To see us come to a certainty, a a, a certain faith in who Jesus is. Why Jesus came, what he did, and why these things actually matter. And as we do, we find that the message of Christmas is not one that should just wash over us, but it is one that should make us stop and listen and make room for it in our story. Or as the case may be in a song that we may sing. The first song on our Christmas playlist is the one that Mary sang that Prudence read to us this morning. It's a song that bursts forth out of her encounter with God and it's mediated through the angel uh, Gabriel. Mary's song is inspired by her role in the events of Christmas and the Christmas nativity. Only Mary does not sing about herself and her place in it. She sings about God and who he is. That's why we know that she attributes this encounter to God. For she sings about him. From her song, we get this picture of what God's like. Christmas is actually here to tell us what God's like. We can know who he is. There isn't a thoughtful person who has walked the planet, who has not uh, held some kind of thought about God, wanted about something beyond themselves. What's out there? What's behind all that there is and all that I encounter? Even the atheist and philosophical materialists can kind of describe the God that they don't believe in or that they don't think is there. All of us have an idea of what God is like from whether God is completely irrelevant and non-existent to life-shaping and profoundly intimate, from an angry and controlling God, a killjoy even, maybe a fluffy God and a permissive God, to a God who's faithful and just and gracious. Whatever category uh, we are in, very few of us don't spend time at some point thinking about God. And lots of us think differently about God, who he is. So the question is, how do we know who has the right view of God? 
Well, Mary's song helps us out because it's inspired by encountering God in her life. It's not conjecture. It's not Mary trying to reach up and speculate and draw her own picture about who God is. It's not a fantasy. Mary's not daydreaming about this stuff. It's actually God making himself known to her in very concrete, very tangible ways with evidences, things like angels holding conversations with her, things like virgin conceptions that lead to pregnancies and outcomes. This has happened. This is history. This is not myth. It is God writing her into his story, God seeking her out. We find the historic record at the beginning of Luke's gospel where a a very ordinary peasant girl, Mary, who is engaged to a local chippy, and let's face it, chippies are pretty ordinary as well, she receives some very ordinary news. She's going to be pregnant. Well, I'm getting married. I guess that'll happen one day. But it departs from the ordinary into the extraordinary and the supernatural because the news is delivered, as we said, by the angel Gabriel, who informs Mary that the child will be conceived through the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High, that this child that this child who she will name Jesus will be great, like unqualified great, and will be called the Son of God the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will rule over God's people, and the kingdom that he builds will never end. It's a little bit to take in. Essentially, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, only he's only he has divine and eternal origins, not human ones. He will be unrivaled in his power and the kingdom that he establishes that overtakes the current one of broken and abusive systems that are at play will never end. Peace will come. Darkness will be overcome. That's the message. Well, Mary does a very ordinary thing and she heads off to see her cousin Elizabeth who is pregnant herself with her own rather miraculous story to tell. Not quite, not quite as off the chain as hers, but it's trending on social media around her local neighborhood. And we are told in Luke's account that Mary arose and went with haste to see her cousin Elizabeth. She is keen for a chat with another mum, in particular one who has a similar story to the, to the one she has. One who has a story of God coming and intersecting her life with what he is up to. What a conversation that must have been as they shared how God had chosen them to bear children of promise. They were the first to know that God had come to save his people. They were the first to know about the first Christmas. But this time with Elizabeth is, an, is enough to drop all the pondering and thinking about God that Mary, that is in Mary's mind, drop it down into her heart. It is Elizabeth's affirmation that Mary carries the child of promise as she refers to the child uh, in Mary as her Lord, uh, using the language of Psalm 110 verse 1 there. Well, Mary just explodes with her own song of praise from her heart as Elizabeth's words finally help her grasp everything that she has been trying to make sense of since she first got the message, since first God came to her and began to talk to her about the news of Jesus. Days of thinking now find expression in this first Christmas carol that was ever written, the Magnificat, giving us a song of what God is like from someone who has had God write them in to his story. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
for he has been mindful of the humblest state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering, being mindful of him, to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is singing with her whole being as she praises God. The soul and the spirit are not separate things. She is merely restating internal realities. She Things that she has come to now know at the core of her being, in, in her heart, they shape who she is and what she does and how she understands God. She is a sinner who needs a savior, who is ne- now seen and experienced and trusted in the grace of God, now moving toward her in this moment to save her. God, out of all of this, God is her savior, she says says mary might be the mother of jesus but she also needs to be saved by jesus god has brought salvation into human history and now he has brought the soul of mary into that salvation story god has acted and mary has made room for his grace and now this song just pours out of her her song no doubt is aided by the holy spirit It's not abstract ideas, but rather what it does is it sweeps up vivid images and promises of the Old Testament. Phil Riken, in his commentary, notes that there are echoes from Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel, uh, allusions to verses from Genesis, Deuteronomy, 1 and 2 Samuel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. It's as though Mary pours the whole of Revelation history of who God is in, in Scripture into this song. And from it we get a picture of what God is like. We see that God is mindful of me, that he is mindful of individuals. Our first Christmas song in our playlist tells us that God is mindful of the individual God is not some indifferent, detached, impersonal force, but he is relationally mindful of people. Have you ever thought about God like that? That that he's actually mindful of you as an individual? Not just as some, some person swept up in a church, swept up in a community, swept up in a group, but you as an individual. God is mindful of you. He's mindful of a way, in a way, to bring his salvation story to you, which essentially means his fullness of life through dealing with sin and not leaving you in the darkness of that anymore. Mary says, despite her humble estate, she describes herself as a servant of the Lord. God is mindful of her. He could have found a rich noble woman, a powerful queen. These people are surrounded uh, by wealth and security and power. But God has chosen to enter into human history by moving towards, by being mindful of one of the most insignificant of people as far as the world's concerned, as far as communities are concerned. What is God like? God is mindful of the most 
insignificance of people and he's willing to do the most extraordinary things through them, even entrusting his own care into them. In her song, Mary praises God for his many divine attributes. She worships his mighty power, praises his holiness. She magnifies his mercy for sinners. She sings about a God who lifts up the humble, a God who who humbles the proud. This is what God is like. God is a great agent of renewal and reversal, turning upside down the broken systems of this world, bringing, uh, br- beginning with individual hearts. God is the great promise keeper, faithful, reliable, bringing about, the most, bringing about his salvation in the most extraordinary of ways. And God is holy, but he's also intimate and personal and mindful of her. God uses his power to forgive and extend mercy. And this is what the child who will be born has come into the world to do and establish in people's lives. And as Mary thinks about the magnitude of her place in God's story, as she thinks about how God is writing her into his story, she sings about it to God. Her soul magnifies the Lord. Her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. As she contemplates that she is actually taking part in God's salvation and she connects it to all the promises of God, she thinks, how blessed am I? I might be insignificant to the world, but I am deeply significant to the one who made the world. Have you ever thought about God like that? That he's written you into his story? That you are deeply significant, known by the one who made the world? Christmas tells us that God sees all people as deeply significant. He is mindful even of the most unnoticed people. Are you mindful of him? Has the Christmas story found room in your heart or does it just kind of wash over you like Cole's music God is also mindful of of us as a community Mary's song unfolds out from her individual experience to that of God's people as a community God has been mindful of them mindful of the promises made to them she finds herself inside those promises Christmas brings us into community Some 2,000 years earlier, God had made great promises to a man referenced in this song right at the end, a man called Abraham, that a a descendant of his would, would bring blessing to all nations through a seed, through a descendant, through a child. And all the way through the Old Testament, we see that God is mindful of this promise and the descendants of Abraham. Time and time again, God is pictured as delivering them, rescuing them, being mindful of them. What is God like? He keeps his promises to make, to make a community, to make, to make a people for himself. 600 years before Mary would sing this song, a prophet Isaiah in, in chapter 9 of his, of his book there spoke of a descendants of Abraham, or spoke to the descendants of Abraham who lived under the threat of un, unthinkable darkness, of, of, of the threat and, and presence of exile. And they wondered if God was still mindful of them. And Isaiah spoke of a child who would reverse all the oppression, raise the lowly, heal the sorrows, bring peace that knows no end. But no ordinary child. This child is spoken of in mysteriously God-equaling traits. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father prince of peace 
It made no sense until now, until Mary sings this song of how God has been mindful to be merciful, to bring salvation to his people as he promised through a child. And now in this child, God has come. And he will be all that has been promised. This is what God is like. He is mindful. He is personally involved with humanity. He has promised to make blessing fulfillment. And he has promised security to be available to all the peoples of the earth. And at Christmas, he has gone public with his plan. God is not revealed in his isolation from us. The greatness of God is revealed in his intimacy with us. The birth of Jesus is in, in Matthew's gospel. Matthew tells us that, that this is God with us. God is here personally to fulfill all of the promises that he has made. You know, normally with greatness, like a power and privilege, comes the ability to actually remove yourself from ordinariness, from mess, from the messiness of people and humanity. You know, you put up fences, you get security, long driveways, roller doors, you create distance. Not God. He humbled himself. Christmas is of a God of humility. Think through that. As you think about what God is like, God's greatness is revealed in that he moves towards us. That's what Christmas tells us, that God knows your name. He knows about your situation and he cares about the responsibilities that you face, the disappointments that dog you, the concerns that keep you up at night. God knows your dreams and your aspirations, the moments that bring you joy and give you delight. God is mindful of you and your place in the world. And he is seeking to write you into his story, into the story of the kingdom that he is bringing. That should make your heart sing as it did Mary's. But not in some sentimental way, some cheesy way. There's nothing sentimental or cheesy about Christmas. Mary's song tells us what God is like. He's mindful of us, but not in a vague and abstract way, in personal ways, in deliberate ways, in ways that demand that we make room for him as Lord and Savior. And in doing so, have our lives healed, our pride humble, our lowliness raised up, our sin replaced with his presence. And this morning, as we, as, we, as we hear this song, as we listen to this first song on our Christmas playlist, the question is, have you made room for a God like this? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, again this morning uh, that you don't leave us in conjecture, that you don't leave us scratching around, trying to, trying to work out who you are from, from merely from creation, merely from the the great things that we enjoy and experience, but you have moved into our lives. You've revealed who you are to us. And, and as, that, as that knowledge enters our head, drops down into our heart, our response is to sing with praise as we think about all that you are doing for us. Our prayer here is that we would make, make room for this God. As, as we go into this Christmas season, there's going to be a lot to do. Plenty of things going to crowd our lives. Would we make room for the God who, who made room for us this Christmas season? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.